It's not so much a hot take as it is an obvious statement of fact that the Sacramento Kings need to improve their roster this offseason, even beyond adding the fourth overall pick, Keegan Murray. But the question is, truly, looking at this roster, a full season of De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis, how far away are the Kings from being that playoff team that they want to be? I don't think they're as far away as maybe some others do. But here to help me answer that question as well as talk about our takeaways from draft night and potential free agency targets for the Sacramento Kings to go out and get. I'm going to be joined by Brendan Nunez of the Kings Bolt, the Kings Beat, and the Kings Herald. He joins me right here on Locked on Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked on Kings. Hello and welcome to Locked on Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all regular season and all off season. Today's episode is brought to you by Arcade One Up and Locked on Kings is partnering with Arcade One Up to give away three free NBA Jam Shack machines. That's right, three. These are the guys that are known for making incredible retro three-quarter scale at-home arcade games like Pac-Man, Golden Tee, and many more. You can enter to win on ArcadeOneUp.com slash LockedOn. That's ArcadeOneUp.com slash LockedOn for your chance to win. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a sports producer and reporter at ABC 10 News in Sacramento. And there's still a lot of time left in this offseason for the Kings to improve to their roster. However, the main moves that the Kings are going to make or the main portions of this offseason, with the exception of free agency, have already happened. The Kings hiring their head coach in Mike Brown, the Kings going through the NBA draft, and it was draft night where many felt that that was going to be the Sacramento Kings' best chance to actually make significant roster moves. That might be the case, but that doesn't mean that trades and free agency still can't be a good route for Monty. And who knows, maybe Kings GM Monty McNair is still looking for that big swing move to solidify this team's playoff chances. But I genuinely believe that this Kings roster is not that far away from accomplishing their goal. I believe the same thing that I believe Monty McNair believes, which is that a full season of De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabos together immediately makes the Sacramento Kings a significantly better team. The complementary pieces you can add on top of that could be the difference between a play-in and play-off berth. So that's really what the Kings are looking to solidify and bolster this offseason. I could be alone in that. I'm going to get Brendan Nunez's feelings on that as well as his feelings on draft night for the Sacramento Kings potential free agency targets. It's all right now on Locked on Kings. Feels like it's already been a long offseason for the Sacramento Kings. That's what happens when you do not play in the playoffs and you hire a head coach and then go through the entire draft process. But still so many months to go before the start of next season. Summer League and free agency about to begin. You're already seeing trades around the NBA, which means now is the time for the Sacramento Kings to improve their roster. But the question is, how much does Monty McNair have to improve the Sacramento Kings roster. What is this roster currently right now if you were to put a win number to it? And what more do they need to add to it to get that win number up? We're going to discuss that as I am joined right now by Brendan Nunez. I want to make sure, Brendan, I get all these titles right, all right? So you're the host and the founder of the Kings Pulse podcast. You're featured on the Kings Beat podcast, and you write and contribute for the Kings Beat. And, of course, the work that you do for the Kings Herald. Did I leave anything out, Brendan? No, that's it, Matt. Kind of hopping around a little bit. Thanks for having me on. 
a man of many talents, and it's a pleasure to have you back here on Locked on Kings, my man. Brandon, you and I were sitting at the same table inside the Kings practice facility on draft night. I was the only super happy camper at that table, but you, your approach to it was very much, I like Keegan Murray a lot, but... I feel like the Kings could have or should have done more. Do you still feel like that today after hearing Monty McNair and hearing from Keegan Murray? Like, where are you at with the Kings draft night as a whole now uh, a number of days later? Yeah, it was an interesting scenario for sure. Uh, you being the only happy camper is very accurate. And <laughs> yeah, just can't say how accurate that is. Um, <laughs> I feel bad because I do really like Keegan Murray. And... I hate that there's all this extra things attached to him, that he's forever going to have Jaden Ivey tied to him. I guess that's just the nature of how this works with top, dra top draft picks, but it feels like it's going to be even more extreme for Keegan Murray. I think he's exactly what the Kings need um, outside of ideally they're getting a little bit more top end talent that maybe I don't quite see in Keegan Murray. And I think I very much could be wrong. It's just my opinion. Um, so I, I think that, the number four pick, I'm fine with the logic there. I think that more likely than not, they probably couldn't have traded down and still gotten Keegan Murray. And the impression I got is that they did love Keegan Murray. And I think there's a lot of reason to. Um, I think he's going to be a really good player, and he's exactly the position and type of mold that Sacramento needs. So I didn't have too much of an issue with four. I, I don't exactly understand the logic with 37. Mm. Uh, Monty McNair kind of pointed to roster spots and then also just additional asset uh, um, acquiring more assets when they got that 2024 and 2028 second rounders from Dallas. Don't really understand that one personally. I, I think that uh, they're still lacking depth and, and there are roster spots available on Sacramento right now. And I think that that could have been a chance to get somebody with some upside. And of course, the one guy that Dallas ends up taking is the guy that's left in the green room. And I just thought it was hilarious that we got to see someone walk up there with uh, Sacramento all behind them and put on a Kings hat. And you can see how this comes back to bite them in the future. Mm. Um, but I wish that there was a little bit more. My issue is less of with Keegan Murray. I, I think that I understand the logic there and more that like there's still more that needs to be done. And I think I went into it expecting fireworks. So maybe was a little disappointed that that, didn't quite happen that way. Yeah, I think a lot of people looked at draft night and looked at the asset that was number four and all the rumors surrounding the value of that asset and thought, okay, not only is this an opportunity for the Kings to bring in a good player, this is also an opportunity for the Kings to add to their roster beyond just one guy. So to walk out of draft night with just one player, even a player as good as Keegan Murray, and as excited I was about Keegan Murray, I understand that feeling of being underwhelmed. Pick 37, it's almost like, okay, you need to do something this offseason that makes that move make sense, right? It's like, I, I understand that you don't necessarily have to. It's not like he's on a timeline. But if you're if you're saying that one of the reasons why you moved pick 37 was to keep roster spots open, well, then you've got to fill them with something that is more valuable than 37 right away. So it'll be interesting to see how Monty handles that going forward. But Brendan, did Monty say anything or did Keegan Murray say anything in either of their press conferences that changed your opinion or got you thinking a little bit or either positively or negatively sparked something in regards to draft night? I think they really pointed to Keegan Murray's character. And that stood out to me a little bit when kind of started to 
piece things together and I think look at it a little bit bigger picture. I think now that we have three drafts that Monty McNair has been in charge of, you can start to formulate a little bit of an idea of like what might be his type of player. And I think that now that there's three, see a little bit of a theme because when there's just two, like Tyrese felt like the obvious pick at 12, right? In my mind, anybody would have taken Tyrese at 12. Davion says something about about how they view prospects. I, I think taking the guy that's NBA ready and the label of a high floor, low ceiling, but a ridiculous work ethic and all the intangibles and personality is talked about in way possible. And, and Keegan kind of fits that same mold. So to me, it's like the culture obviously is talked about as uh, something that needs a lot of work in Sacramento. And I think each one of those guys are players to me that anybody would love to have on their roster. I think all 29 other teams would love to have any of those players on their roster. And I think that I'm pretty confident that they're building like a competent team. And I know it's a really low bar, but like we also heard like how Sacramento had trouble getting a lot of prospects in the door and, and getting access to guys. Like I think that if I'm, a prospect coming in, it's easy to just like kind of brush off Sacramento. Why would I want to go there? So I think that there's a good chance they're kind of getting the stink off the franchise this season. And I think that they're going to give themselves a chance to win on most nights and building a roster of guys that are hardworking, smart players that are all fighting for the same thing, I think does have a lot of value because, I mean, look at last year, they underperformed for that talent level to me because they were on different pages. Maybe some guys didn't want to be there. So I think building a roster of smart guys who all want to be there and are um, hard workers to me is a way to kind of separate yourself a little bit from the bad culture that's been attached to this team. There are two things from Monty's post-draft press conference that stood out to me. The first one was him talking about the fact that there isn't a playoff mandate in Sacramento. There's the goal of making the playoffs, but it's not a mandate like we heard reported uh, over the offseason. That jumped off the page to me. Um, I'm not going to include this, but kind of going off of your point about Monty's type of player, he was very consistent again with the Kings took their best or who they thought was the best player available. But where... Monty, I think, lost both of us was this idea that Keegan Murray was unanimously the best player available amongst the Sacramento Kings front office. As much as I love Keegan Murray, even I had thoughts about ways Jaden Ivey could have been a better pick for the Sacramento Kings. I have a hard time believing that an entire staff of analytics people, of scouts, of assistant general managers, Monty himself, ownership if you want to include them i have a hard time believing that from day one through the entire draft process they were like yes keegan murray is the absolute best guy for us and if he's there we're absolutely going to take him how do you read or respond to something like that brennan is there levels of like okay you're just kind of telling me something that makes me feel a little better about the draft are you reading into it like no they really are that high on keegan murray how do you interpret that comment from monty yeah, it was funny, Matt. I, I think we talked about it right after it happened, and it was like, I don't know that I believe that one. Um, and I don't even know that it was necessary to set it's healthy if there's varying opinions in, in that room. And then they come to an agreement on, on what is the best way to move forward, even if not every single person agrees. 
to me, I feel like we've gotten some black and white statements where Monty McNair doesn't want to leave like a gray area. And almost uh, similarly to when Luke Walton was let go, um, he had said that the roster and, and who's playing on any given night, the rotation is completely up to the coaching staff, completely up to them. And it's like, I would bet that there's a conversation that's had between the front office and the coaching staff. And if I have to guess, I, I think that it's not wanting to leave a gray area that can get painted in a certain way mm. that they're on a different page. Like there's people that are unhappy that Keegan was the guy in the front office. And that's not what that would mean if it was a divided room, but I think it could get painted that way. And I think there's enough bad media around the Kings when it comes to, you know, just people so quick to throw Kangs and that they're doing things the wrong way that it's just in my mind, like trying to avoid that at all costs um, in maybe ways that is a little bit too much for me at times, like the unanimous thing. I'm not going to buy that, but I, I see why it's like trying to paint the picture of we are all about Keegan Murray and I don't want people to think otherwise. Today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by Sakara. Feeling your best starts with what you eat. Sakara helps you live a healthy, balanced lifestyle and you truly will enjoy it with delicious, plant-rich, transformational nutrition that builds a foundation for living in your best body. Now is the time to seek wellness, joy, and abundance in all areas of your life starting with what you eat. With Sakara, you get nutrient-dense meals, snacks, and supplements that nourish your body without ever sacrificing taste or quality. True Radiance starts on your plate. Made with high-quality organic ingredients, Sakara's plant-rich transformational nutrition programs are expertly designed to deliver real results from reduced bloat and easiest digestion to clear skin and boosted energy and moods. Looking and feeling your best shouldn't mean deprivation. Instead, choose joy and abundance. Sakara's organic, plant-rich transformational nutrition programs are designed to help you cultivate body intelligence so you can nourish your body and experience the results that you want. Sakara is a wellness company anchored in food as medicine on a mission to nourish your body through the power of plants. They're nutritionally designed, chef-crafted breakfast, lunches, and dinners are made with powerful plant-rich ingredients, helping boost your energy, support your digestion, curb your sugar cravings, and get your skin glowing. Plus, it's all delivered right to your door, ready to eat. Right now, Sakara is offering our listeners 20% off their first order when they go to sakara.com slash locked on 20 or enter code locked on 20 at checkout. Again, that's Sakara. S-A-K-A-R-A dot com slash locked on 20 to get 20% off your first order. Let's look at the state of this roster where it's at right now. You have going into a full season of De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis, who still are very much 1A and 1B for this uh, this organization. You've added Keegan Murray. For the most part, everything else is the same. Harrison Barnes uh, in your starting lineup. The question is who's going to be that starting two, but let's assume that the Kings are bringing Dante DiVincenzo back, which all signs point to that being the case. This roster for the most part is the same. Of course, this isn't going to be the case, but where, what win total would you attach to this roster right now in the Western conference? And where do you think that puts them? It doesn't have to be an exact number, but like a win range. And where do you think that puts them in seeding? and we'll get an idea of how much they have to improve off of this roster still this offseason. Yeah, I've come to realize I'm kind of the outlier here, but I really believe in specifically De'Aaron Fox. Like, I think DeMontis Bonus is obviously phenomenal as well, but it seems like 
most people do believe in Sabonis and are kind of like, well, this team is going to go as far as Fox takes him. I think that Fox is really freaking good. Hmm. Um, I, I think that last year was the outlier. He probably, there was reporting he came into last season unhappy with the situation with Buddy and Bagley. I see why that's frustrating to the fan base. I think if anybody were to be in his shoes that more likely than not, they probably would have felt the same way. Like I get why it's frustrating. And I think that he knows coming into this next season that there's absolutely something to prove that it's kind of now or never. And that the narrative's already kind of shaping up around him that he's not that guy, that it's a bad contract. And I I think that now's the time for him to, to prove that he is an all-star caliber player. And I, I just believe in that. I, I think that we saw that at the end of last year, and I think that when he's fully locked in with something to prove that they're going to have that type of player from De'Aaron Fox. And then I think the surrounding pieces are much improved from last year. I, I think that it, it's so hard to judge based off last year with there being a coaching change 17 games in, uh, six different guys that they swapped at the deadline, and there just wasn't a continuity to the roster. And I think everybody being on the same page, I'm buying an improvement with Mike Brown and a buy-in and just having a lot of smart basketball players out there. Um, I I think that they're going to give themselves a chance to win on most nights. And in the end, talent might prevail and and they won't pull through every single time, obviously, but I I think that they're going to put themselves in a pretty good situation. And I think that we're talking about 36, 38 wins right now. And I think there's more to be done. Um, I, I think that I'm probably on the higher side compared to most people. You could have gone on here and asked this question, but I think that's right around the ninth seed. Um, it, it just gets more difficult when, because I can sit here and say it's a promising roster. I think that they can put some intriguing defensive lineups out there, um, some okay spacing and smart players, but it gets difficult when you start comparing to the other rosters in their same range and it's like, okay, San Ant- or uh, New Orleans is probably going to get Zion back. And what sort of improvement do they have internally? Minnesota is probably going to have internal improvement. The Clippers are going to get Kawhi- a full season of Kawhi and PG is the idea. What is John Wall going to be like? Um, Portland is going to have Damian Lillard back and now Jeremy Grant. So I think that they are going to be in this big group that could settle them anywhere from like 8 to 12, which has kind of been the theme recently. Uh, for these past couple seasons, but I, I believe in them more this year because I think that everybody will be on the same page. So as of now, I'm I'm sitting in that 36, 38 sort of range. It's just hard to imagine the West being as bad again this season as it was last season. And I think what's deflating for a lot of people is even with the West as bad as it's been, the Sacramento Kings still couldn't make it. Now, if you were to tell me that the West, you were going to have a copy and paste kind of Western, like win totals gets you this seed from last season, I think the Sacramento Kings are in really good shape. However, I expect the West to improve as the Sacramento Kings do improve. I actually lean more on your side of thinking, Brendan, than I do on, on kind of the negative side of thinking here. I don't think that this roster is that far away. And I think Monty McNair looks at the acquisition of DeMontis Sabonis at the end of last season. A lot of people say, well, after DeMontis Sabonis trade, the Kings were still a bad team. And and people forget that, one, Fox and Sabonis barely played together more than a handful of games after that trade. And two, that was at the end of a losing season and the Kings were doing maybe making lineup decisions that affected their offseason more than affected their win totals at the time. I think Monty genuinely believes that whatever he adds to this 
core, this this roster, this offseason, it's all it's all just sprinkles on top of the cupcake. The real cupcake is, okay, a full season of De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis is going to get me to this point. And I genuinely think, I haven't talked to him, I haven't gotten this number, it's just what's in my head. I think Monty believes that this roster as of right now is an over 40 win roster, maybe just at the line of 40 wins. And now what he's going to try and add on top of it is what solidifies them as a playoff team, not a play in team. But I agree with you as of right now, looking at this roster, I think it's fair to insert the Kings in the play in conversation. I think it's fair to absolutely 100% expect this team to be in the play in if they're not they're a colossal failure but i said the exact same thing about last year's roster and i think we'll all agree that this year's roster is better than last year's roster so it's it's about seeing improvements so my next question to you then brendan is what realistically and it doesn't necessarily have to be names it could be like position or it could be player archetype what does this team need if they were to pick one or two type of player archetypes to add to this roster that make the most significant difference? Is it just a three and D shooter? Is it a rim protecting big? Like, what do you think is the missing piece on this roster that could be the difference? Even if it's just a role player that could be the difference in two, three, four wins for this team. I think it's a three, um, like a three and D wing. And cause I believe King Murray can play the three. Um, I, I don't have all too much concern with that. I, I think he moves pretty well laterally and whether him or Harrison is the three and which one is the four, but I, I think that they need another uh, wing between them and somebody to, to kind of back up and, and fill those minutes. And in my mind, Rashawn Holmes is a decent value on the contract he's at mm-hmm. and somebody that should be able to be used as an asset to go and get one of those type of guys. Like, um, Marcus Morris is the type of guy that that stands out to me. I don't know that I love Morris's personality necessarily, but I, I think that that type of move, um, somebody that is effective on defense that can also hit their open shots and just be a complimentary player um, with this with this roster. I think that like Cam Reddish is somebody that whose name gets floated around. I don't love the idea of Reddish. I would. Uh, be, I'd be happy that they took a little bit of an upside swing because they don't have all too many of those on the roster at the current point. But I, I think that to me, it it is a wing with some size that can hit open shots and play some capable defense because I think they need a little bit more depth there. I think they have some okay guys that can do that at the four, um, a Trey Lyles, a Mo Harkless. We'll see what happens with Chemezi Metu. Um, but to me, the three still needs a little bit of use or needs a little bit of depth and and some size wouldn't hurt because maybe as of right now, it's like, are you playing Justin Holiday at the backup three a little bit? Is is Dante getting minutes there or Terrence Davis and you're running three guard lineups? So I think one more uh, three, a guy with a little bit of wing for some bench depth. And in my mind, you'd, you'd use Rashawn Holmes to go out and get that would would help round out this roster. I'm doing a full podcast episode on this very soon because I really want to dive deep into this. But as of right now, who's your starting two guard? Dante. I really like Dante. Um, And I've come to realize I'm also the outlier with this, I think. But Mm, I'm with you. All right. I think think that he's a really good catch and shoot three point shooter. And I'm going to keep a log if as we go throughout next season, if if Dante is on the roster as expected of I think I'm just going to give him like two shots a night two crazy moments where it's just like 
I think if you just, I've kind of worded him as all the things he does well are really quiet, but then he has like two really loud, bad moments and those overshadow all the quiet things that he does well. But I think he's a really good defender who's disruptive and helps the Kings get out in transition by forcing turnovers. And I think he does a really good job of hitting open shots. Um, so I'm going to give him a pass on, you know, two crazy, uh, two crazy moments each game. And there's going to be some games where it's too many, but I, I think overall that like, I really like Dante as a complimentary two guard. And I'd be honestly pretty comfortable with him as a starting two next year. I think we have to take in consideration too, with Dante and, and some of those wild moments last season that he came to Sacramento. He's trying to come back from an injury that knocked off his production a little bit. And he's on a contract year. So I think he was looking for moments and opportunities to show that he could do maybe a little more than he's capable of to try and raise his value, especially while his camp was thinking that the Kings were intentionally trying to lower his value by not starting him over Justin Holiday, which I think we can all agree was a pretty clear decision as to why the Sacramento Kings were doing that. Even if Monty or whoever wants to say that that was a coaching decision, I think we can kind of roll our eyes with that one and make our own assumptions. But again, I'm going to do more of a full conversation about that starting two spot later on. I want to go back to uh, this, this roster conversation that we're having. You said that you think this roster as of right now is like a 37, 38 win range, right? What, what does taking Harrison Barnes off this roster moving Keegan Murray to the three, putting John Collins at the four, how much of a win increase or maybe decrease, but unlikely, how much of a win increase in your mind is that? I don't know. Um, Cause that feels like the biggest name that the Kings are going to get this offseason at this point. Like if they're going for a big swing, that's it. If not, yeah. then they're going for minor solid role player pieces. Yeah. I think it keeps them about the same. Okay. I, I think that weirdly it, it makes them it, it gives them more variance in my mind. I feel like Harrison Barnes is more consistent. You know what you're getting night to night. And John Collins, there's more nights where he's just really not doing it for you on the defensive end, but then there's other nights where he's carrying a larger load offensively. Um I think that John Collins, him swapped with Harrison Barnes is more about having that type of player around for longer with John Collins having a larger deal, Harrison Barnes being expiring this year and there being talk of him potentially just moving on after this season, you'd lose him for nothing after there being two, three different deadlines of hearing about some notable uh, value that he has. So to me, like I think that Collins is somewhat of a lateral move that Maybe it works out better than I'm thinking, um, but I, I think it's more about you don't take that dip next year if HB were to just walk for nothing. Today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by betonline.net, your number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. You can find all of the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including Major League Baseball going on right now. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. Hopefully you made some money 
betting on the NBA draft. If you bet on Keegan Murray to come to the Kings at four, hopefully you cashed in on that. Maybe you even cashed in on Jabari Smith Jr. falling all the way to the Rockets at three. You can bet on that and fun prop bets like that, future bets like that all year long. There are already a future NBA championship bets for next season that are out. Yeah, the Sacramento Kings are very, very, very heavy underdogs, but you put a few bucks on that, the Kings accomplish it. You're going to make yourself a nice, healthy payday. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. They're the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, and that includes MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action at BetOnline, where the game starts. The idea of the Kings improving their rostered free agency is always naturally met with skepticism. Like it's free agency. It's the Sacramento Kings. Notoriously, the Kings struggle in that area. Do you look to free agency as the way for this team to make the improvements that Monty needs? Or do you think a trade almost has to happen for Monty to make that significant move uh, that, that maybe the Kings need to solidify themselves as a playoff contender? I think it's probably a trade, um, but you never know. Like you could hit on a on a free agent acquisition, like they did with Rashawn Holmes a couple years ago. Um, I don't love Victor Oladipo, but I also don't hate it because I think that for a team that's trying to make it happen right now, Depot moved a lot better than I expected um, when we. We saw him in that series at the end season for Miami. And that's a guy that does have a lot of upside. He could come in and if he, if he's healthy and, and moving well, could perform a lot better than, than what his contract value is at. So, and then like an auto Porter is someone that interests me as that complimentary wing that I kind of talked about. I, I think they still need that wing depth. So I, I think that there is a chance that you kind of strike gold in the free agent market. Um, but I would bet against it probably and say that more likely than not the notable, um, additions at this point are probably going to have to come through trade. You mentioned a couple free agent names there. I'm not going to ask you to name too many more because I think yourself, uh, James Hammond and Sean Cunningham are going to be doing a deep dive into that over on Kings Beat. But there's a couple names that I really like for the Sacramento Kings to potentially go out. Uh, one is more of a high impact player than the other. That's Bruce Brown uh, from the Brooklyn Nets. However, he's expecting a pretty significant. I'm not going to go over the top and go crazy, but, but he's expecting a pretty significant payday. Plus, we have to talk about the Sacramento tax to convince any player to come to Sacramento. You have to pay a little bit bit more so he might be a little too pricey for what the sacramento kings are looking for the other one is daniel house jr uh who has a connection with monty from uh, his time with the houston rockets i like the idea of what he can bring gigs gives the team kings some depth at that three spot uh you do of course still have terrence davis on this roster who i guess i look at more as a backup too but we'll have to wait and see with that mo harkless is still on this roster justin holiday is still on this roster so that gives you the liberty to move some of them if you want to you don't have to commit to all of them uh in that second unit do any of those two names do anything for you spark your interest or are there other names out there that you think would be better targets for the money yeah, I like those names. Um, I, I think the Daniel House fits that that backup three that I was kind of talking about a little bit earlier in this episode. Just a three and D guy that's going to play within himself and not do all too much. Um, yeah, I think that Bruce Brown also a guy that does all the little things well. 
And as long as the three point shot is going down for these guys and they're not getting ignored from distance, um, then I, I am more than okay with those as acquisitions. I think those are the type of guys that that Sacramento is probably going to be looking at. And there's a chance again, that, that one of them just works out with given more opportunity than they've seen in, in some of these other places. And they fit really well because Sacramento really needs like complementary pieces right now. They need play finishers, just guys that are going to make open shots and make the right rotations on the defensive end, make the extra pass. I don't think that they're asking for all that much in my mind. Um, I, I think that both of those guys do fit really well Gary Payton is a name that's floated around too. I'm curious, like I, I mentioned Otto Porter earlier, can Mike Brown bring any of these Golden State guys with him? Maybe. Uh, I'm a little more skeptical of Gary Payton, I think, than, than most people because I don't know about the three-point shot. And if a guy can't shoot, I don't know how much he's going to get an opportunity next to Fox and Sabonis. And Gary Payton's three-point shot looked, his numbers looked good last year. Like, I had somebody point out, oh, he shot about 50% in the finals. I'm like, yeah, that's great. He shot seven threes. Like, <laughs> it's it's very low volume, and I think it's – I'm skeptical to give a guy that um, just broke out um, his bigger payday and more opportunity, and then maybe that ends up not looking great. So I would uh, love the defense of Gary Payton and hope that the shot does end up falling at, at a good rate, but I'd be skeptical of that one and, and lean more towards some of the other ones we've talked about especially when he just broke out for arguably the best organization in basketball. And then you want to bring him to the Sacramento Kings and expect similar, or maybe sometimes better production with an increase in payday. So there's yeah. always the skepticism with that too. Well, Brennan, you do such fantastic work for, in all of the outlets that you are a part of, but uh, you can check out Brennan on the Kings pulse on Kings beat uh, Kings Herald, the things that he does over there. Uh, it's a pleasure to see you, Brennan. Hopefully I'll see you uh, more this off season. See you at the California classic, maybe even summer league, still trying to work out all those, uh, all those details. Uh, but, you're the man. I appreciate what you do and look forward to having you back on again in the near future. Thanks for having me on, Matt. Always good talking with you, man. Big thank you to Brendan Nunez for joining me on Locked on Kings today. If you want to respond to anything we talked about, sounds like he and I are in a similar mind with how close this roster actually is to really competing for the playoffs. Now, we're not saying that this roster as of right now is a bona fide, solidified playoff team. They definitely still have to maybe not necessarily improve. What's the word I'm looking for? overachieve in some ways in order to make the actual playoffs, not just the play in. And that's where the addition of other pieces in this offseason is hopefully going to bring that from an overachievement to a playing on the level that we expect them to play on. So if you want to respond to anything uh, that Brendan and I discussed, you can do so at Matt George Sack on Twitter. If you want to uh, tweet me, you can email me, mattgeorgesports@gmail.com, or leave your thoughts in the YouTube comment section down below. Before we go, the Sacramento Kings uh, Summer League roster has been announced. I'm not going to go through the entire roster, but you can go and check it out right now. Of course, Keegan Murray will be a part of that roster, as will uh, Matt Coleman from the Stockton Kings. Uh, Keon Ellis, who the Kings signed to a two-way contract after the draft out of Alabama. I did a podcast on him on Monday with a little more detail. If you missed that, go and check that out. Uh, and Nemias Keda is also going to be on the, the Summer League roster. Those are the four main names to keep an eye out on. Uh, there are other pieces on this, including Elijah Brown, who I believe is the son of head coach Mike Brown. And speaking of coaches, uh, Mike Brown will not be the head coach of the, uh, the the Stockton Kings team and neither will, I'm sorry, the Kings Summer League team and neither will Stockton Kings head coach 
uh, uh, Bobby Jackson. Neither of them will be the head coach of the, uh, the the summer league team. A bit disappointing that Bobby won't get a chance to repeat his title as he did such a great job last season leading uh, the, the the Sacramento Kings summer league team to that championship. But hey, maybe the Kings can do it two times in a row with two different head coaches. I'm hoping to be able to do a podcast where I go into a little more detail about some of the other names on this roster, get to know them a little bit, those that actually have a legitimate chance of impressing uh, those who have a legitimate chance of, of becoming mainstays, maybe on the Stockton Kings roster. There were a lot of players on the Kings Summer League teams over the last couple of years that impressed well enough to earn spots on the Stockton Kings and played very, very well. A guy like Emmanuel Terry comes to mind, right? So we'll have to wait and see and hopefully learn a bit, little bit more about who some of these guys are. The California Classic begins this weekend in San Francisco. Then they have the actual Summer League in Las Vegas. So we'll get to see these guys play a lot together. I'm definitely looking forward to having some elements of Kings basketball back with Summer League, and I hope you will join me uh, in covering that and enjoying that as much as possible. Thank you so much for spending time here on Locked on Kings. As usual, can't wait to have you join me on the next episode. Until then, my name is Matt George. You have been listening to Locked on Kings, part of the Locked on Podcast Network.